Welcome back to the 76 Capital Leadership Series. My name is Ty Jackson, and today for our 76th episode, we are flipping the mic on 76 Capital's managing partner, Wayne Kimball, who shares everything about hosting the show, what he's learned from his multitude of guests. Hope you enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Rush Order Tees. RushorderTees.com has been Philadelphia's number one customer apparel company since 2002. Whether you need one or a thousand shirts, Rush Order Tees can handle any order on any deadline. Start designing online today in their online design studio or give them a call at 1-800-620-1233. That's RushorderTees.com, Philadelphia's home for custom apparel. Wayne, welcome to the 76 Capital Leadership Series. Hey, thanks, Ty. It's amazing to be a guest on our 76 Capital Leadership Series. So you've filmed 75 episodes now of the Leadership Series. You've had some incredible guests on the show. Who is your favorite guest you've ever featured and why? Well, once again, Ty, it's amazing to be the guest on the 76 Capital Leadership Series. And, you know, I'll tell you, how can I really select one guest after 75 shows? You know, it's like asking me who my favorite child is. That's a really tough thing to do as a parent. But I'll tell you something. I have really enjoyed almost every single one of the shows. I've learned something different from all of them. Each guest, whether they were an athlete, an entrepreneur, an executive, I've learned so much from all of them. And of course, maybe I will tell you something, Ty. I did have a few favorites. And of course, they're some of our CEOs. Whether it was Brian Musburger, the CEO of VSIN, John Fazio, the CEO of Nerd Street. These are all our portfolio companies, 76 Capital. Davion Ross of Shot Tracker, Lauren Foundos of Forte, Howard Wright of C360, Matt Holt of US Integrity. And I can't leave out, you know, Dave, you know, Marilys from Rubicon Talent. I mean, of course, our guys from Rubicon, they're, they're our strategic partner at 76 Capital and the amazing things that they're doing from a, a sports marketing perspective. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been great to hear all their different perspectives on how they're building their businesses, why they're doing certain things, how they're building their teams, and just ways that we've been able to collaborate and work together and, and build their companies. And um, it's been awesome. It's been awesome doing this series. So when you start off all your shows by asking each guest about their background and where they grew up, why do you do that? You know, it's fascinating. Every single guest has an incredible background story, where they grew up, who their parents were or are, what they've learned from one of their, their parents or, or friends that they had or where they went to school. It's, it's really, really interesting. And many times it truly shapes who they are today as a leader in the sports industry. And a great example, I mean, this one really just blew me away. When we had the opportunity to interview Mark Messier, the six-time Stanley Cup champion, you know, hockey hall of famer, he told us about his, you know, background and when he, where he grew up and when he grew up and what it was like. And, you know, he talks about his friend Wayne. Well, it's not me, Ty, it's Wayne Gretzky. I mean, amazing, right? So the two of the greatest NHL players in the history of the game grew up together. Their families knew each other. 
And, you know, Mark talks about his relationship with Wayne's dad and that, that story, I mean, talk about you know, really shaping who Mark became as one of the greatest players in the NHL, along with one of the other greatest and winning Stanley Cup championships together. I mean, what an incredible story. It was a dream come true for everybody in Edmonton. Nobody could believe that a small town like Edmonton was actually getting an NHL franchise. And to be a hometown boy and, and being drafted uh, to Edmonton was, uh, was, was just incredible. Well, we won five Stanley Cups in Edmonton. Um, but I think the thing that really stood out for us is that, uh, you know, we had a lot of passion for the game. We all worked super hard. Um, we liked to, to play the game. Uh, we liked to play for each other. Um, we became very good friends on and off the ice, which is which is really important. Um, and because of it, uh, the, the Oilers became one of the greatest franchises in, in history and some was some of the great, well, the greatest team in the last 100 years, I think the 1995 uh, team was voted. So, um, you know, we're all really proud of what happened in Edmonton. Um, you know, we, you know, we, we owe it to each other because I think everybody collectively was responsible for it because as great as Wayne was and, and, and the things that he did for us, uh, everybody in sport needs uh, support around them. And uh, I think Wayne is, would be the first to tell you he's super appreciative of the efforts that we all put in collectively to become a team and become the great team that we were. So how do you find the right guests for the show? Well, that's the part that's so much fun. And that's one of the greatest things that has been, it's been a pleasure, you know, it's been incredible to sit down and talk with entrepreneurs, athletes, executives who are truly shaping and many times changing the sports industry. And so in our work at 76 Capital, meeting these entrepreneurs, talking to strategic partners of some of our portfolio companies, and we have these conversations and I say to them, hey, wait a second, you know, do you have a few minutes because I'd love to have you come on our 76 Capital Leadership Series and retell that story or tell your background or sort of share with how you have truly become a leader in the sports industry. Those are the things that have been amazing. So to me, this has been incredible to be able to not only just network and, and meet people, but also hear their stories. And then what the coolest part of all of this has been so far, as, as, as you know, Ty, we're, we're just getting started here with our 76 Capital Leadership Series, but it is our 76th episode, right? But the thing that's amazing is, is that now we get to share those stories with everybody. So everybody out there who's a subscriber, a viewer, or sees a clip of our show, like they now can hear this incredible, these incredible pieces of advice, these incredible tips on what's next in and what's gonna come down the pipe, whether that's in esports, in sports betting, in sports tech, in the future of analytics across sports, like all of these things that the experts in the industry, whether they're an entrepreneur, an executive, an athlete, that they know they're sharing that with us and our audience here on the 76 Capital Leadership Series. And I love hearing all this and it's been amazing, amazing, amazing. To, uh, to have them on our show. Yeah, and that's why we love doing it. And we're, we're so excited about everything else we have going on and, and can't wait to share more with, the, with our audience. One of the fascinating guests that we had on the show was Dave Seethi. I mean, Dave is the head of Instagram sports. It was great to catch up with him, knew him from his days at Whistle Sports. 
And, you know, it was amazing to hear how he broke down how you can truly build your personal brand on social media. And the things that he talked about were just amazing if you were a top echelon athlete or even if you're just someone who's thinking about wanting to be an amazing athlete, wanting to be an amazing entrepreneur. The types of things that he shared were incredible gems. This authentic connection with your fans is important. And that, that is across all platforms, but I also think Instagram primarily, and especially for, for individuals like us uh, or for, for public figures, for athletes, there's always this fear or, or, or question or concern of like, how do I get started? And I think it is no simpler than go ask your fans, go ask your followers what they want to see, what they want to hear about, what they want to learn and bring them into that programming uh, because then you're taking some of the guesswork out of it. You don't have to create your own content franchise overnight. You can literally ask your fans what it is that they want to hear about, what they, again, what they want to see, what they can come closer to uh, and use that as your jumping off point. And again, when, when I talk to athletes and their representation, there is uh, I think there is that, that uh, perception that the bar has to be really high and not everyone is not everyone is a Kevin Durant or a Steph Curry or a LeBron James who has their own media company. More often than not, it's individuals who just need to pick up their phone, click the video button or the photo button, and just start. And I think that's uh, once you get over that hurdle, I think the rest becomes a lot easier. So you always talk about wanting to work with people who are smart and nice. How important is it to be a nice person to be a good leader? Well, I think it's incredibly important because, again, if you're a leader, that means you're leading a team of people. So they have to like you. They have to want to get behind you. They have to be, you know, like we're going with you. We're, we're heading in that same direction. So, look, you, there's there's the nice part of there's the smart part of there's the you have to be able to really be able to sort of see what's next and see around the corner. And one of the episodes that I just love, I, I tie I, this one. Just every time I think about it, I just smile. It was so much fun interviewing Pete from Chickies and Pete's. I mean, what an unbelievable story. I mean, now look, he, he talks about how he played high school football, but what he's really done is he's become part of the professional sports scene because of his sports bar and restaurant, which is the number one sports bar and restaurant across the country. And not only is it just sports bars and restaurants, but his his place, Chickies and Pete's, is inside of arenas and stadiums all across the country today. And of course, his his incredible, incredible, you know, crabby fries. You know, if you've never had them out there, you got to check those out. But what he talked about in his story and how he just really persevered as an entrepreneur is something that any of us and all of us can learn from. And quite frankly. It's just awesome to, and he's someone that you want to cheer for and someone that you want to go eat some fries and have a beer with. I order crab seasoning and I think I was like out the night before I had to make my order. So I just ordered, this was in September. I just ordered what I ordered in August, which was a lot of seasoning. Now the season ends beginning of September, mid-September. The season sort of stopped at that point. People stopped eating them. It's like water rice type thing. My father saw this, the order come and he goes, Peter, what is with this order? I said, uh, what's wrong with it? He said, you ordered too much seasoning. We'll have this. We're going to have to sit on the seasoning until next summer. I said, I'll, I'll get rid of it. I'll get rid of the seasoning. I'll do something with it. He goes, what are you going to do with it? 
So I started playing with French fries and sprinkling, making different seasonings up. Because we all are all our, our paprikas or this or that, that. And we make up our own seasoning. We don't buy like a, a like a generic thing, like an old bay or something like that. God forbid. So I have this seasoning and I start playing with it. And I would give the fries away to the customers when they came in every day. The same, we have regulars every day. And I would say, what do you think of these fries? They're delicious. The next day I would change it. I liked them better yesterday. There's only, there's no plain fry crab fry. It's just crab fries. So they had to be good enough that nobody would refuse them. They couldn't be too spicy so kids could eat them. They could—they had to be spicy enough that adults would like them. And they would make you drink some beer. It had to have a happy medium. So it took me a while of developing these fries. Now, in the meantime, my father sees me doing it, and he hears about me doing it. He's like, why don't you make pot roast or something? Why don't you go in the kitchen and make like a prime rib, you know, and see if that'll sell? I go, Dad, they really, they like these fries. I, I think I have something here. We might have something here. He, it, it bothered him so much. My mother would say, Peter, when you leave work, erase the word crab fries off the chalkboard. She said, because your father drives him crazy. It's embarrassing. His friends make fun of him because your sons call him French fries, crab fries. He would embarrass me all the time. I said, there he is. My son, going to reinvent French fries. Of course, being a good leader is really important when it comes to becoming an entrepreneur. So what do you think are some of the most valuable skills needed to be a good entrepreneur? Well, you have to be a, a visionary if you're an entrepreneur. And one of the great guests that we had was Zach Wiener. I mean, Zach, the CEO of Overtime, what he's doing as a visionary, starting a professional league for 16 to 18 year olds. It's incredible what he's doing. He's literally busting up the way things are being done today. And that's what you need to do as an entrepreneur. I love to see that. And you're right. The best entrepreneurs are the one who are breaking down walls and, you know, revolutionizing the, the face of whatever industry it may be. And of course, you know, that's why at 76 Capital, we back the entrepreneurs who are really building that future, right? Going out there and, and continuing to just change the game of sports and it's very exciting you know a lot of something that we did early on was in new york because that's where the company was based and i remember um filming uh, at this random gym on the lower east side this kid was like jumping out of the gym unbelievable and like I, I looked him up and i was like this kid isn't ranked at all i was in i was actually in miami i spent a few months down there recently and i'm hanging out by the pool and i see this guy and i'm like that's the guy that I that I filmed way back in the day. Sure enough, he's in Miami because he's training uh, and he's preparing for the draft. He spent a year at UConn. His name is James Booknight, uh, and he's projected to be a lottery pick. And you've interviewed a lot of athletes on this show. What are some of your favorite moments? You know, one of the the things that I just I just loved and was was actually an athlete turned entrepreneur. Uh, who's the CEO of C360 of one of our portfolio companies. His name is Howard Wright. Howard was an incredible basketball player at Stanford, played in the NBA, played overseas, but has been an um, incredible entrepreneur, executive in the tech industry, and now is leading our company C360. So that was really amazing to, to hear from him, his background, the fact that his father was such an incredible NFL player as well. Um, just his stories were amazing. My father told the story a lot better than I'm going to tell it right now, I promise. My father walks in from freshman football practice 
1955 and says, hey, Pops, I made the freshman team. My grandfather said, what is a freshman team and why aren't you on varsity? So I, I've never played football before. He said, okay, let's go out in the backyard. I will teach you how to play football. So they went out there every single day for a couple for their you know for a couple of years. And my father, my grandfather would say, get in the stance and come off the line. And my father, my grandfather would annihilate my father every single day. He would have blood coming from his nose. He would have, you know, mud uh, on his face and he'd never quit. So that's another thing about us, right? That we're stubborn to, <laughs> to a fault in that my father became Ernie Wright by refusing to accept anything but his own excellence. He stuck his fingers in that mud in the backyard of 1010 Prospect in Toledo, Ohio, and he changed the course and the trajectory of every single right that came after him. You know, I got to also say one other thing, Ty. One of the stories that I'll, I'll never forget and that I just loved having on, the guy I really enjoyed having on the show was Drew McIntyre. Now, Drew McIntyre, we're talking about the WWE reigning champion who had just written his book. His book was just coming out. He's coming onto our show, and he has this incredible move, that how he kind of, quote-unquote, finishes off people um, when, when he's wrestling in the ring for WWE. And the night before I interviewed him, I went to my nephew and I told him, who's a huge WWE fan, his name is Cole. And Cole said to me, Uncle Wayne, you've got to ask Drew McIntyre about the Claymore kick. And it was amazing. So, of course, I Googled it immediately. I was like, wait, I've seen him do this before, but I didn't know what it was called. He knew exactly what it was. And when Drew shared with me how that all came about and what a big turning point in his career the Claymore kick has be what it how it became such a big thing and, and his in his signature finishing move move is amazing. Uh, but regarding the Claymore, my finishing move, this is probably the only good thing that came out of when I, I was at the end of my WWE run for I got fired. I, I went from like the, the main guy into a bit of a comedy role. I wasn't getting much television time. I wasn't having any significant matches, and I was in uh, let's how do I put this a fake. 80s rock band that didn't actually play music we came out with tight leather pants on we danced around playing air guitar bit like bill and ted i guess so we're a bit silly so in one of these matches um, i was going to, uh, running to deliver a maneuver to my opponent called the big boot where you run and you lift your leg and you kick the opponent in the face much like hulk hogan used to do and as i was running and i lifted my leg i realized that my pants were way too tight to be lifting my leg to do this maneuver so if you picture, if you can, I'm on Monday Night Raw, millions of people watching across the world live. I'm thinking my pants are going to split and this is going to be a pretty embarrassing moment. What am I going to do? So as I lift that, that right leg, I quickly lifted up my left leg with it to avoid the pants splitting, kicked my opponent, spun around, landed in my own head, knocked myself silly and got out of the ring, was a bit dazed, got myself together, got to the back and one of the agents backstage, a former wrestler came up to me and said, that move you just did out there, Drew. Um, I don't know if you can do it without hurting yourself, 
I watch it back and it was pretty freaking cool and I've never seen it before. So that day, the Claymore was born because of tight leather pants. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite guests, I keep saying that, Ty, they are all my favorite, 75 favorite guests. One guest was, you know, really stood out in, 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 in all of our conversations and it was Val Ackerman. I mean, incredible. We had a number of Hall of Famers and she's now in the basketball Hall of Fame class of 2021. You know, she, in her own right, was an amazing athlete at UVA and, and, a, and a basketball player. She worked, you know, shoulder to shoulder with David Stern at the NBA. She was picked by David Stern to be the first commissioner of the WNBA. She was the president of USA Basketball, and now she's the Big East commissioner. And, of course, as I just said, in inducted, getting inducted this year into the Basketball Hall of Fame you know, class of 2021. Her stories, all the things that she shared with us, her advice, her tips on how to break into this industry, on how to move forward in this industry, how to work hard and really build your own personal brand, your own, your own path in the sports industry is something that I'll never forget. And she's amazing. She is at the top of her game, but she's not even close to being done. And she shares that with us on the show. We did a strategic plan. We formed a committee. We had two committees. One was on business initiatives, um, ways where we thought we could maybe um, come together to, to think of some ideas where, frankly, hopefully long-term, we could make some extra revenue. Um, and that led to our esports initiative. Not quite there yet on the revenue side of that, but it has been exciting to be in the esports space and tremendous interest among current students in that endeavor, you know, and for them to now be able to represent their schools in a competitive kind of way and be part of the Big East has been, we think, um, tremendous for them, something they're very proud of. And our presidents have supported this 100%. And then the other uh, working group we put together, we call the Academic Collaborations Working Group. And that was the one that came up with the idea you mentioned, which was this startup challenge, where we have groups of students from all of our schools presenting their entrepreneurial ideas to a group of judges. Um, and then, you know, having a winner, declaring a winner. So, so we have sort of on these two tracks um, forums for our schools to weigh in on ways that we can, again, do more than just be a sports league. Another one of our guests that just completely blew me away was Jess Holtz. Jess is an NBA agent. She represents NBA all-stars such as Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, DeAndre Russell, Chris Paul, Joel Embiid. And to hear her story and how she works with these athletes and how they trust her and how she is able to help them build their careers on the court as well as off the court was amazing. Uh, there are a lot of NBA players who are avid, 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 avid gamers. I mean, I would say that is maybe in some cases their second biggest passion if I'm painting a broader brush. Um, the gaming industry has so much opportunity right now. Um, and and you know this very well from, from your business interests, but I don't know where the limit is and the sky is the limit and there's so much opportunity there. It's almost like too big sometimes. Like how do we best navigate this? How do we best 
add to your portfolio because the gaming brand for some of these guys and how they interact with the gaming industry is becoming a really critical piece to the puzzle for them, for their overall brand. Um, you know, Devin Booker won the 2K tournament that the NBA held closer to the beginning of, of when we were shut down in quarantine. And, you know, him being the best NBA 2K player is, is something that he really is proud of. So I think that crossover is something that I focus on a lot of my day to day, actually, in building relationships with a lot of those brands and figuring out the best way strategic, strategically to grow together because the gaming industry is only going up, NBA player profiles are only going up, and how can we maximize that together is you know, a really big, important question right now. So Brian Westbrook is just one example of an athlete who's gotten involved in startups and entrepreneurship. How come so many athletes want to become entrepreneurs? Well, I'll tell you, Brian Westbrook has been a great partner of ours here at 76 Capital. He's the chairman of our 76 Capital Athlete Venture Group. He works very closely with my partner, Chad Stender, in that. And he's amazing. I mean, because, you know, Brian is, 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 is such a, he's such a great, he was such a great at, professional athlete, right? You know, and he, but he was also someone that many people would have said, there's no way you can do it. And that's something that entrepreneurs have to deal with every day, where you hear no, you hear the fact that it's, that's not going to work. That's crazy. Well, that's what people said about Brian, but Brian made it all the way to the NFL. He was an all pro. He's one of the top running backs in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. And he's an amazing guy. And he talks about how, you know, in this, when we, we brought him onto the show, he talked about how, he, you know, what it was like to get knocked down and get back up. And those kinds of lessons are the incredible lessons that not only are specific to the world of sports, but they pertain exactly to what happens in the world of business and being an entrepreneur. And when Brian gets involved with our companies at 76 Capital and, and he has those conversations with our, our entrepreneurs, it's truly magical. The, the truth is, is that in sports, um, in life, you're always going to face adversity. You're always going to face situations that that don't or don't line up with the way that you wanted them to go. There was no, you know, no thought in my mind in my junior year and even my early senior year that I thought I was going to be going to Villanova, nor did I think that I'll be playing in the NFL. But sometimes in business, just like in life, things don't necessarily take the straight road. Sometimes it's that that curvy road that that gets you to that, that place that you need to go, but you can't get it the straight road. Sometimes it's that adversity that you go through. Sometimes it's the small things um, that you have to live through that's going to teach you how to survive. I mean, just imagine getting to your goal, but not having gone through any adversity and not have learned the, the, the hardship, not have learned the lessons that you have to learn, not have learned all that you have inside of you to persevere through those things. Now you're in the place that you want to be at, but you don't have those lessons. And, and to me, it was valuable um, to, to learn those lessons. And of course, like, like anyone else, I wasn't happy. I wasn't, um, you know, cheerful, uh, during the, the time, but now, you know, 20 years later, I'm saying it was those adverse times. It was those things that broke me, that nearly broke me, that actually made me who I am now. And the same things happen in business. Good things happen. Bad things happen. Great days happen. Bad days happen. And the key to all those things is that you never wanted to break you. You never wanted to see it. Uh, you, know, you never wanted to allow you to get too far down. And in the NFL, they have this saying, 
you're never as good as people say you are, and you're never as bad as people say you are. And so you got to ride that roller coaster, never roller coaster, never as high as you want to be, never as low as you want to be, but stay consistent. And and for me, you know, again, sports and business are so similar. It's just going to take a strong person, no matter who you are, man, woman, you know, young child, whatever it is, sports, business, or anything else. To be successful, you're going to have to go through a lot of different things. And if you can get through those things with a good attitude, with a good mind, then I think when you get on the other side, you'll be much better for it. And, and really, that's the life that I've lived uh, throughout my, my years in college and high school, as well as the NFL. So clearly, sports and entrepreneurship are related in a lot of ways. How does 76 Capital think about this? And what is it doing to continue to bridge this relationship? Well, I think, you know, one of the big things, in, you know, in sports is that many of the same traits that you need to, to be, you need to be able to perfect and be amazing at, right, in the, in the athletic world are some of the same exact traits that you need to have to be successful in the business world. And that's where I believe athletes can be so helpful and inspiring in many ways to our entrepreneurs. So whether it's our chairman of our athlete venture group, Brian Westbrook, or it's our co-chair, Ali Bedoya, who is an unbelievable soccer player, played overseas, plays here now in the U.S. for the Philadelphia Union, played on the USA soccer team. You know, his, his, his experience his, is, is unbelievable. But what both Brian and Ali always talk about are these traits of what you need to do, whether it's the passion, the drive, the desire, just the resiliency to be able to, like, get back up after you get knocked down. Those types of those exact kinds of traits are the traits that you need to be successful as an entrepreneur. And they talk about that all the time. And they shared that, you know, on, on our show with us. I think obviously perseverance is a big part of it. I, I, I think resilience as well. You know, I think as an entrepreneur in a startup, you know, there could be so many times where you turn down for, for funding from, from various sources, right? And, and it might be a lot of negative and things like that, but it's important that you remain resilient and you persevere. You try to persevere, keep going and then keep trying um, and keep pushing forward. And I think that's something that drives me as an athlete now, even as an older player now, you know, I'd always say like the next youth player coming up is here to take your spot. Well, they better earn it, right? Like I'm going to keep fighting for that in my spot, right? And uh, it's the same thing as a, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. That's awesome. Uh, and so how does AVG really fit into everything else that's happening at 76 Capital? One of the big things at 76 Capital is we believe it's important to match our entrepreneurs with experts. And what does that mean, right? If we're as, as investors in the sports industry, in the sports tech industry, in the sports betting industry, in the, the world of esports, you need to have experts. And the experts in sports are the athletes, are the coaches. And that's why we have our athlete venture group. It's very similar. If you're an investor in biotech companies, you're going to have a doctor or you're going to have a scientist on your team. But if you're in sports, you need to have the experts and who's played at the highest of levels and who knows, you know, all the ins and outs of, of being a professional athlete, professional athletes themselves. And that's why they're part of our athlete venture group. At, at 76 Capital, we're all about investing in the entrepreneurs who are building the next, next thing, whether that's in the sports tech industry, the esports industry, and the sports betting industry. And when I think about the sports tech industry, I think about a couple of our entrepreneurs, and we, we've, had, we've, had, we've had amazing ones on our show. I mean, when I think about Lauren Foundos and what she's doing at Forte, 
and how she's truly building the technology platform for the fitness industry. It's incredible. Yeah. So before we built anything, we had to develop this technology. So we spent over two years developing this proprietary technology that nobody has and can do the same thing that we can do. So basically, if you want to live broadcast your class, you can build a TV production studio like Peloton, or you can use Facebook, Instagram, and Zoom, right? That's the other end of the spectrum. So we really wanted to build this technology that enabled to them to have a Peloton-like experience without having to do that. So what we do is we hardwire three to five cameras in a fitness facility's walls. We put a server there there on site and then that server operates as the producer so let's say the class starts at 12 at 12 o'clock it would turn on all five cameras rotate around for that specific class at that time and then shut itself off so this automation that we've developed we call the autobot it live streams all day every day from coast to coast with no human operator so we have no uh competition at all in that perspective and so we're really excited obviously Today, everybody's looking to stream more so than ever. So we feel like we're positioned in a, in a great place. And at the same time, when I also think about what's happening across the basketball industry today and how Davion Ross and the whole team at Shot Tracker are building the technology platform to enable you to track every single thing that's happening on a basketball court to a sub-second level, is incredible and that's what shot tracker is all about and that's how the technology really fits into this into the sports part of the of the of the business i mean you got to get your reps up i mean no matter what it is i mean you know even i mean you can you can use non-sports related things right you have to be it, it's got to come natural it's got to be comfortable and that's one of the things that iterations and reps give you right like you know when you get into a shot you practice this shot like Every, I mean, every kid in the backyard has five, four, three. I mean, every kid has done that, right? And getting those reps is important. So when you actually get into the game, whether that's on the court, on the field, in the boardroom, you know, it's like, it's natural. And, and you don't even have to think about it. Because when we think, that's when we make mistakes, right? You want it to be right. so organic and so natural. I mean, when I'm doing presentations, I'm running through those presentations. Like, I know the material at like the back of my hand. and. I've gone through so many iterations. I don't even have to think about it. I see the slide and right. I know what I need to say. So, um, I mean, reps is everything, man. And it doesn't only apply to sports, but, you know, it's, it's about consistency and reps. And, and that was something that I was, you know, I was able to do being an engineer. You know, you, you, that's your thing, right? So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, and it started off like that. And he was like, hey, what did you do? And I said, look, I used to track in a book. I used to. I didn't have technology back then to do it. So we started off really as a consumer product for the backyard, but then made that transition when we saw what's going on in the market. And there's this whole phenomenon about, hey, kids are playing so many games, not enough reps, not enough shooting, not enough backyard time, just getting perfecting your shot. And we saw that dynamic and we decided to make the change. So when you think about technology in sports, how does esports play a role in that conversation? What do you see as the future of esports and what have you learned about it from this show in particular? Well, you can see I got a big smile on my face because my God, we've learned so much about the world of gaming and esports. And it's amazing to have investments in companies like Nerd Street Gamers and, and work with entrepreneurs like John Fazio who are truly building the overall infrastructure across the whole esports industry. So it was awesome to have him on the show and get his perspective on how we're truly building that infrastructure, but at the same time, enabling every single person to be able to play 
at the highest of levels with the best equipment at the best type of bandwidth across the U.S. And that's something that I'm so proud of what he's doing. And it was awesome to have him explain that to us on our show. Two years ago, 3,000 high schools signed up with 15 or more participants for varsity esports for the first time ever. The year after it was 6,000. This year it was 12,000. Next year we're projected to be over 25,000. Now there's two stories to that. One, that's ridiculous growth. And that means that in two years, or actually a year from now, 3,000 students and in two years, 6,000 students will have finished their high school career with a varsity sports team they could have played for, rooted for, or at least knew about. And that creates real fans. And that exponential growth is happening no matter what we or anybody else does, right? And that right there is a capturable market that, you know, they're going to spend money as fans, customers, participants. Um, and, you know, that, that growth is baked in. But the other piece of that is that none of those students could participate without their own equipment. And so all of those students have to have their own equipment at home, which we know, you know, especially from the pandemic and the remote learning hurdles that we've learned about, there's a major chunk of our American students who don't have access to the type of, you know, first off internet, but the type of equipment they would need to participate in esports. Um, so over the next few years, we're going to see ridiculous, you know, spitfire growth of the market at the top end you know because of that high school engine that's turning on and just pumping out fans but it's going to be a privileged group of individuals at first and you know what we're doing and you know our growth plans and we're at six venues now we want to be at 20 by the end of the year uh 25 the year after and continue you know expanding our rapid pace of growth here we'd like to have hundreds of venues in the country and you know we believe that building those venues is going to be the reason that more market participants enter because they'll have access to the technology they need to enter and is there anyone else in the world of esports that you know really stood out to you when you had them on this show well, Ty, I mean, we also had Andy Miller. I mean, Andy Miller, the CEO of Energy Esports, he's also an owner of the Sacramento Kings of the NBA. He's an accomplished entrepreneur who sold his company to Apple and worked for Steve Jobs. I mean, that was some conversation. And so it was awesome to hear him tell us stories of how he recruited Shaq, or in a way, Shaq recruited him. To be on to be an owner um, of, of of energy esports, it was awesome to hear that story. And he's the world's biggest kid. Like he's been in gaming. He's more authentic gamer than me or anybody. Like he's been at it from day one. He has his own games. His whole house is set up for gaming. He loves it, and um, he's super competitive. And he was all over it from day one. And then Mark and I started it, and he found out. Uh, he was watching a match and he was talking to Mark and Mark's like, what are you watching? And he's like, oh, it's this team, NRG versus somebody. And Mark's like, oh, that's my team. He's like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, oh, that's me and Andy. He's like, oh, no, that's me and Andy and Mark. <laughs> I'm in. I was like, okay, so uh, who doesn't say no to Shaquille? So uh, I asked him if he wanted to do it and he uh, signed up. And I cannot wait, Ty, you know, to be able to interview Andy on the stage at one of the biggest esports conferences this fall um, coming up. I can't wait. And Andy's amazing. And it was awesome to have him on the show. And his, you know, his overall knowledge and passion and interest in building out the esports industry. The reason, one of the reasons why the esports industry is, is growing and is, is so successful today is because of people like Andy.
maybe shifting gears a little bit, um, of course, recently the U.S. Supreme Court overturned PASPA, right, which opened the floodgates for legalizing sports betting all around the country. Is this another area you're excited about? How, how are you thinking about sports betting? Well, Ty, of course, at 76 Capital, we're all about sports betting. Invest in the entrepreneurs who are doing the next, next thing in the sports betting industry. We were so proud and, and happy to have backed Brian Musburger and the whole Musburger family at VEASAN and sold that company to, to DraftKings. The same thing with Sam Ratner and his team at Victory and sold that to Fubo TV. And just the opportunities across the sports betting industry are amazing what's happening right now. And we had some great guests on our show, some experts in the industry. We had you know, a sports betting um, expert. I don't know how else to put it, right? I mean, Bill Krakenberger, what a what a character, right? He was sports better, right? I mean, the man basically wrote the book on sports betting. Well, he certainly has a lot of fun doing it, has had a long career in doing it, and is someone that was even featured on the Showtime show Action as one of the main characters. And he was on our show. He's on VEASAN all the time with Gil Alexander, who also was on our show, uh, on our, our 76 Capital Leadership Series. But I'll tell you, Crack had some great points and stories on how how this industry has grown, where he believes it's going to go, and also at the same time, how to make sure that you do it in a responsible fashion. Uh, we're going to have sports betting in every state eventually here. And um, I just hope this is going to maybe surprise you, Wayne. I actually hope it's being done responsibly. You have to understand, I grew up in New Jersey when I was a kid. We had drinking, we had drugs, we had girls, we had uh, lottery, we had casinos, we had racetracks. I mean, there were so many vices. It's really, it's hard to get out of that trap of living in a place like New Jersey. Now you want to throw sports betting in the mix? You know, these kids grew up on, uh, on you know, Kobe Bryant and Shaq and now LeBron. And, you know, this, this, these kids are saying, oh, I can do this. This is easy. I can, I love betting sports. It's on ESPN, the Bad Beat Show where, and Van Pelt, it's got to be done responsibly. And what I mean by that is there has to be that element of it. And these states should take – these other states, these other jurisdictions should take notice what New Jersey has done. New Jersey is a little bit stricter than anywhere else in the nation. Even myself, I go over to DraftKings to deposit money, and they gave me a hard time uh, uh, depositing money. They said, oh, well, just know your – it's a know your customer law here. They actually asked for my taxes. Imagine that. That's how much they don't want you over betting your bankroll. So I hope the other states learn from New Jersey and it's done more responsibly. So Wayne, I grew up in England, right? And, you know, I used to go to soccer games all the time and, and walking down the street, I'd pass by a William Hill sports book and they'd have the odds in the window and they'd be inviting you in to go place a bet on your team. And it wouldn't just be William Hill. It would be all these different shops as you're walking down towards the stadium. I'm curious, you know, we've recently seen a sports book at a U.S. venue for the first time. How excited are you about that? It's fascinating. And, you know, we had Joe Asher on the show, this, the, who was at the time the CEO of William Hill. Now, as we know, William Hill is now was sold to Caesars for over four billion dollars. So fascinating, fascinating play um, and fascinating person to have Joe on the show and sort of tell his story. And like you, Ty, he was betting his whole life. And he tells talks about that story and how he basically grew up at the track in Delaware, both Joe and I grew up in Delaware. You know, he his, he was the, he, he did so much. He's, he's like, he, he learned everything he said at the track. And he's someone who is an, a real expert in the industry, 
someone who has the highest level of integrity and someone who really is doing the next, next thing in the industry. And what he did with doing a deal with Ted Leonsis and the, and the monumental team and the owners of the Washington Wizards and the Capitals and the Mystics in, in, in DC and putting a sports book inside the Capital One Arena, that's, and, and that's the first one here in the US. It's amazing. It was an amazing, amazing accomplishment that he did. We opened up um, uh, over the summer. Obviously, you know, we're, we're working on building out a sports book there. And it's in a, um, uh, an old restaurant um, that, you know, that they, uh, they got the space back. And so we're working on building out a you know, high-end sports-themed um, restaurant bar concept where you could actually bet. COVID hits, you know, uh, initially things, you know, grind to a halt, um, you know, as they did back in March. Um, but we wound up opening up a temporary facility uh, in the box office, right? Because no sports going on in the building, so not a lot of activity in the box office. And so we refashioned um, uh, the box office into a sports book. Um, and it opened up over the summer, and it's just been this big hit. I mean, uh, you know, people are, are coming in. There's a line on weekends that goes, you know, outside and down the block. Um, and, and it's proven to be a, a great success. You know, the work is ongoing on the permanent venue. And, you know, being Wayne Kimmel and getting to have these guys on the Leadership Series is so exciting because we really get to tap into their firsthand knowledge and hear from the guys who are building the future of sports, how they're doing it. And all these lessons that we're learning and when you're sharing with, with us right now, you know, they're so, so valuable as we continue to think about what the future of sports looks like in 10, 15 plus years. Well, there's no doubt about that. And I'll tell you, you know, what it reminds me, Ty, you know, it goes going back to our first episode. I mean, I think about the first episode we had David Falk, the legendary sports agent, David Falk, who worked with Michael Jordan back in the day. He was his agent. He was his guy. He and Michael Jordan created the Jordan brand. I mean, Air Jordan. I remember I was telling, I, I don't know if I told him on the show or I told him afterwards, Ty, I can't remember at this point, but like, I, I used to you know, have my Air Jordan pants and my shoes, and I, I, I thought I could try to fly like Michael, but that didn't happen. But it was really amazing having David on the show while The Last Dance was on ESPN at the beginning of the pandemic. It was phenomenal. And the stories that David told, and every time I thought he was, he was done, every, thought I, every time I thought I heard an incredible story, another one came up. I mean, the stories about, you know, of course, working with Michael, but then also his relationship with Coach Krzyzewski at Duke, his relationship with John Thompson, the legendary coach at Georgetown, and just how all of those worlds came together and how he worked with all those, all, all those incredible people who truly shaped the sports industry. And David's one of those. He's one of those icons. And I'll tell you, it was awesome to have him as our first guest on our 76 Capital Leadership Series. And so I said to Nike, if you want to sign Jordan, I want you to treat him as if he were a tennis player. And Strasser said, what does that mean? So what it means is I want him to have his own line of shoes, his own line of clothes, and I want you to promote him, not as a team athlete, but like as an individual athlete. So we discussed the financial parameters of the deal. Um, it was over a million dollars a year. And in addition to the 
to what they paid him, I made Nike spend a million dollars promoting Michael the first six months in the NBA, which today would be like 100 million. So he said to me, if we give you this line, what do you want to call it? And I looked at him like he could not be that dumb. I said, what do I want to call it? I want to call it Michael Jordan. That's his name. It's an autograph line. I want to call it Michael Jordan. He said, no, we are not going to call it Michael Jordan. I said, really? Like, why not? And he said, David, no one is going to believe that a 21-year-old basketball player who just left school a year early is going to be sitting in his apartment in Northbrook, Illinois at night, you know, designing shoes and clothes. It has no credibility. So we're not going to call it Michael Jordan. And I was, when I heard that, I, I literally wanted to strangle him. So I, he, I, I said, okay, big time. What do you want to call it? Ha ha, he goes, we'll give you a line of shoes and clothes, but you have to come up with a name. And the name cannot be Michael Jordan. So I stood there like trying to count to 10. It was the most ridiculous demand I've probably ever heard in my life. You know, to give a guy a signature line without calling it by his name. And so, I don't know, maybe my anger fueled me, a little adrenaline rush. And I literally, maybe a minute, less than a minute, I said, okay, we're going to call it Air Jordan. Air because Nike's just come out with this brand new, allegedly revolutionary technology for their running shoes that's supposed to cushion your foot from the pounding on the pavement. And air because Michael plays in the air. It was a double entendre. Look, I can't blame you, obviously, for not being able to remember whether you filmed it on camera or after the episode. You've done so many of these now, and that's why we wanted to have you in to just chat about some of your, your favorite moments and, and share some of your you know learnings from, from 75 episodes of the leadership series. But I just want to ask, is there one moment or is there you know one particular story that really stood out to you as being very moving or something that touched you deeply? You know, Ty, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing question because there there was one episode and it was during the time it was right after George Floyd was murdered and we had Ken Shropshire on the show and Ken is a great friend you know spent over thirty years at Wharton he is the guy who wrote the book on the business of sports he's now at Arizona State University running you know, their Global Sport Institute, and his insights into what was happening at that time, the racial tensions that were you know, at, at a, an unbelievable level here in the United States, to have him on the show talk about that, that transcended all of sports. That was way bigger than anything else. But that's, that's who Ken is. That's what he's all about. That's those those kinds of moments where sports and life come together. That's what he's really made his career on. And that's what he's all about. And it was amazing having him on our show at that time and sharing his thoughts on what was happening in the country. Um, but but one of the moments when I was uh, very deeply engaged was for the Martin Luther King holiday. And and uh, you think about it, Ronald Reagan's in office and and. Yeah, at the, at the time we finally get the holiday, but all these like—I mean, a lot of time in the streets, kind of doing a lot of stuff. Depending on your age, you, you remember this. And then we get the holiday. Uh, forget Arizona to Arizona was the kind of late move around that, but federally we we get get the holiday. And um, I, I remember 
a lot of people then raise, okay, you got the, you got the symbolism, but what does that mean? And, and the idea that you can do these symbolic things, you put things on jerseys or on cleats, uh, you take statues down, um, those can be valuable, uh, those are symbolic, uh, but let's make sure we're addressing the real issues too. You know, the, the, the Players Coalition in the NFL, for example, spent a lot of time addressing legislation related to mass incarceration, voting rights, those sorts of things. I mean, those are real needle movers. The messaging that can be done by these athletes, though, you can't discount it, uh, but, but in the continuum of what's most important, it, it is the actual action. Wayne, those are some incredible moments, and thank you so much for sharing all of your favorite takeaways. And of course, I know you can't mention every single guest we've ever had on the show. And, and for those that we didn't mention today, you're still very much loved by us at 76 Capital. We're very thankful for all of our guests. Hey, Ty, hold on. Ty, I got to interrupt you because I'll interrupt you just like the cuz would. I mean, Anthony Gargano, our guy from Philly, right, from the Fanatic, he... I, I'm, I'm being Anthony. When he did his interview, oh my God, Ty, I got to stop you for this, right? When he did his interview from his car with his sunglasses on because the Wi-Fi wasn't working in the middle of COVID, I mean, his energy, his excitement, his passion, that was a fun one too. How could I forget that one? And how could I let you wrap this thing up without getting a little excited and being like the cuz? And that's why we do this show because it gets us feeling like this and hopefully it gets you guys watching at home feeling the same way. Wayne, any closing remarks before we say goodbye? Well, I cannot wait to do the 176th episode or whatever we want to do next when we wrap, when we pull this all together. But the next few guests are going to be amazing. I cannot wait for some of the things to come on. And I'll tell you, if you're watching this show and you're an entrepreneur and you're an executive or you're you know, doing something absolutely incredible and you're an athlete and you want to be on the show or you want to tell us about who you think we should bring onto the show – Give us a call. Reach out to us. You know how to find us on, on from 76 Capital. Whether you reach out to Ty or myself or, or Chad or John or the rest of the team, reach out to us. We want to hear from you. If you're an entrepreneur and you're building your business, reach out to Scott. Scott, you know, would love to hear about your business plan. Tell us about what you're doing in the sports industry because what we want to do is we want to work with you. We want to work with the entrepreneurs. We want to work with people that are truly trying to change this industry, truly trying to build this industry. This is the time. The time is now. It's never been better. We all know that. You're, we're sitting in a place where you can actually do something. And Ty, I never, ever believed that all my favorite, most incredible passions were going to all come together at the same time. You know, working with entrepreneurs being around the latest and greatest technology, but doing that in sports, I mean, it's a dream come true. And that's the time we're living in. When we look at the next 10 years and what's going to happen in the sports industry, this is it. This is why we're doing what we're doing. This is why we're so, we're so excited about this. This is why we're so passionate about the opportunities. And I'll tell you, that's why we do this show, because we want to highlight it. We want to, we want to share all the stories. We want you, all of you out there, to get excited about the industry, to get excited about what's possible. And by the way, go out there and, do, and try to do what truly is impossible. Because if it's impossible, you know, our team here at 76 Capital will help you make that impossible dream actually possible and make it all come true. And that's what our team is all about at 76 Capital. That's why we invest in the kind of businesses and entrepreneurs that we do, because we're all about trying 
to work with you, help you make your dream come true. Well, thank you so much, Wayne, and thank you everyone for watching. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this slightly special episode of the 76 Capital Leadership Series for what was our 76th episode, flipping the mic on uh, 76 Capital's managing partner and the usual host of this show, Wayne Kimmel. Thanks so much. And you can follow us at 76 Capital across all social media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, wherever. Go to our website, www.76capital.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. In Philadelphia, reputation is key. No one knows that better than RushOrderTees.com. RushOrderTees has proudly printed high-quality custom apparel in Philly since they started in 2002. They take printing as seriously as their love for Philly sports, cheesesteaks, and that statue outside the art museum. No matter the order size or deadline, Rush Order Tees has you covered. Start your design today online or give them a call at 1-800-620-1233. RushOrderTees.com, Philadelphia's home for custom apparel. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the 76 Capital Leadership Series. I hope you enjoyed this special episode for our 76th. Looking forward to welcoming you back here again soon.